Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hello, channel pros. Welcome back to Channel Journeys. This is your host, Rob Spee, and welcome to any first-time listeners. If you know me, you know I love adventure and I'm a bit of a risk-taker. That's why I'm so excited to share this episode with you. I'm talking with a very special guest, a fellow adventurer whose accomplishments make mine look like small potatoes. Well, what's not small potatoes is Allbound, the sponsor of Channel Journeys. If your adventure is setting up a new partner portal or swapping out an old one, you need to check them out. Allbound is the maker of a world-leading partner portal that vendors rely on to manage their diverse partner ecosystems, including dealers, distributors, VARs, agents, as well as OEMs, ISVs, and system integrators. Allbound is fast and easy to set up, and their user interface makes it easy on partners to collaborate with you on co-selling and co-marketing as they ramp up on training and certification. So be sure to check them out at allbound.com. All right, on to today's guest. She is my first guest and likely the only one who has actually climbed to the top of Mount Everest, as well as many other giant mountains. I am talking with Louise McAvoy, the VP of U.S. Channels at Trend Micro. Louise is an adventure seeker who thrives on change both on and off the mountains. She's doing some really cool things to address all the new technology buyer behaviors we are seeing in the marketplace leveraging the principles of a book she read called The Blue Ocean Strategy. We're going to talk all about that. Also, Louise is organizing something really cool to get more women into hiking that you'll hear about towards the end of the podcast. And I've got some questions for you regarding something I've been thinking about doing kind of along the same lines that I'll ask at the end of the interview. All right, are you ready for some adventure in partnering? Let's go. Hey, Louise, good morning. Welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast. Great to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be here, Rob. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, you are welcome. Ever since we met at the Channel Focus event, right, in California, I think it was last November, and you were up on the stage saying some interesting things. I've, I've wanted to have you on the show ever since. I appreciate that. I think that was my first uh, in-person event. It was pretty exciting, and to meet you in person was quite an honor. It was a first in-person event. That, everyone was so excited to get back in front of each other. Now we're doing it more and more which is really nice. And I really want to chat with you about what's going on. And it's interesting. I joined Beyond Trust less than a year ago. So it was kind of after a a lot of the COVID things hit us. But you've been with Trend Micro for what, seven plus years now? Yeah, seven and a half years. Good job. Yeah. So you you experienced, you knew the pre-COVID world, the during COVID. I don't even know if we can say post-COVID yet because we're still struggling with it, right? But from your perspective, what was your kind of partner business looking like pre-COVID? And then how did COVID impact that in your business? It is. A, it's an interesting question because it definitely is channel pre, channel post. And the channel pre was very traditional, I thought. And it was very much, you know, do the enablement, do the lunch and learns. How do you spend your MDF? How many deal registrations? How many certifications do you get? You know, all the things that we do in the channel. And it was around our reseller business, our distribution business. It was very much a channel-driven model in the traditional sense. And I was always pushing for the value add to channel 
versus the fulfillment model, which I didn't like right from the start. And I know we can fall into that trap, which I don't want. It's, you know, if a deal is going to go through the channel, it's because the channel added value. But then, you know, lockdown happened and I'm sure a lot of people experienced this. There was a lot of confusion and waiting and how long is this going to last for? And I thought it'd be three weeks. I thought I'd get through all my email and be done and go back to the office. Uh, But there was a stall. Like we didn't, we couldn't spend MDF. We couldn't go out and do the things that channel is known for doing and driving those leads and that, you know, getting those new partners recruited because everything stopped. So it was really, you know, going deeper in ourselves and, you know, building as a team and getting to know one another in different ways and getting to know our partners in different ways. And, and, you know, a lot of people did those, you know, those virtual events, whether it be the catering with dinners or whether it be, you know, hiring a football player to come in and play poker with you. I don't know, but it was just something. And then as we emerged from this, you know, as I should back up a second, in the cybersecurity world, customers changed their behavior as well. With lockdown, man, they had to secure all their endpoints. They had to secure them really, really quickly. And they couldn't do that, you know, by meeting their reseller, their seller. It was just done. Let's do it. And that meant going through marketplace, going through cloud. And we always had this push already for this SaaS-based growth, but it just, COVID just accelerated that. So were they bypassing the partner? Is that what you were saying? They were saying, look, we need this quickly. We're just going to go buy it as fast as we can. It was a little bit of both. Turn Micro is a channel-friendly company. We are set up to go through the channel. We're not set up to go direct. And you know, the, we've been, you're a 30-plus year company. So it's not like you pivot overnight. Oh, I'm just going to do everything direct now. So we, we were already set up to uh, have partners sell through Marketplace. You know, if you're talking about an AWS purchase, well, that is um, a CPPO partner, consulting partner, private offer. That's an AWS term. So our resellers were set up as a consulting partner and extending a private offer to their end customers. So we already had a number of these CPPO partners set up and the program was already enabled and but it was quick. We had to just like, okay, the next deal comes through. It's going to be CPPO. We're going sign through. It's a private offer through the marketplace and the next one. And it was this repeatable model. And, and we quickly had to pivot. It was no longer a traditional resale model. So that happened during lockdown. And then just post coming out of things, it is now our de facto model where, you know, we still have a traditional business. But the majority of the customers, you know, they already have this muscle memory now where they can purchase market, on Marketplace. It's a SaaS-based model. A number of Trend Micro products are available in Marketplace. So why not go there? And we have extended it so that our customers can still um, be the incumbent of record, be the partner of sale. And, and they can still sell to their end customers. It's They hold the end customer license, but it is through marketplace via cloud purchase, a SaaS deal. It's different now. Yeah. Transformed. Interesting. What else has changed from a partner strategy coming out of COVID that you've noticed? The other thing that's changed is, and in my world, I've seen this, it's a lot more services. Where services were a part of the play, but it was really install and deployment. Now it is the like the, the layer of the stack. 
you can add in the consultation. Well, it starts off actually a lot of times it's just a free assessment. Take this free assessment tool. Oh, okay. Now you need an actual appointment. Now you need the migration. Now you need the DevOps and containerization. Now you want the, the SaaS build and, oh, you want us to, you know, secure all your different containers and your S3 buckets. And it just, it's a layered, layered, layered approach and it's becoming bigger and bigger. So it's not a traditional service insofar as that deployment and that's it. And, you know, just, you know, um, get those licenses in the the environment and then you walk away. It really is an extension of the sales team and adding that value add through all different avenues. And, what you know, a lot of par- partners are getting a lot more enabled on different parts of the business, whether it be DevOps or an S3 bucket or containerization or the assessment trials. There's all kinds of reasons why partners can get into this business and extend their reach. Now you've adopted something called the blue ocean strategy, right? Yes. Um, is this a company-wide adoption or really within the, the partner organization? So I'll back up a little bit. The blue ocean strategy is a book that I read and what it, it really opened my eyes to what is happening right now in the channel. Like when you talk about digital transformation, that's not specific to the channel. It's a digital transformation and the way customers are buying, procuring. And I see transformation happening not only in channel and not only in sales and marketing, but in HR, in legal, all kinds, like all different parts of an organization. And so I, I picked up this book and I, I thought, you know, there's, there's something here and I really want to adopt this way of thinking. And that is where you know, where they, in the book calls it this red ocean where they are fighting for the same businesses. They're going after the same customers. So it's a lot of businesses going after the same. Whereas blue ocean is, hey, what else is out there? Where can we create this new market, this new space, this new business, this new opportunity? Let the competitors fight for this space that's really crowded. I'm looking to where things aren't there yet and creating my own space and looking towards the future. So that's what the blue ocean strategy really is about. And I I can't say it's um, a company-wide adoption where everyone in Trend Micro is talking blue ocean, but the whole digital transformation, everyone is talking about that. I just sort of put a, a name to it on the team and we have some imagery and so you can see it and you're like, oh yeah, I can definitely see where the red is really traditional and the channel and the blue is like this new way of thinking. And that's what I'm looking at because I do see where we've transformed and we have to look ahead. It's not looking back. And we're going to have a traditional model but I also see how we're going to have this blue model, this new approach. And what does that look like? And I don't have all the answers. I just know that I've got to think different. I, I love thinking that big picture. So it's kind of. So the red ocean, would we equate that to the traditional transactional channel that you were talking about? Yeah, think about the traditional. So it's MDF, funded heads, it's margins, it's, you know, swag even. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, deal registration. But in the blue ocean, it's CPPO. We never had a CPPO term a couple of years ago. We never had a pay-go model, pay-as-you-go. Like partners can set up, be set up to pay-as-you-go if they want. We never had, you know, taking down an EDP. You know, we never had that term before. SaaS wasn't the biggest growth model. Like there's all these new terms now that don't apply 
that we never saw before in the red ocean. And conversely, does MDF apply so much in the blue ocean? We have a lot of these new partners who don't care about MDF because they're not reselling. They are looking towards that next big play. And it may not just be selling a license. MDF doesn't matter to them. Will they register a deal? Well, they don't really care about that. They don't care about the margins per se on a traditional resale. So all of that has changed. It's really fascinating. I'm, you know, I keep saying I've been on the channel for the majority of my career and I've never, I don't, I don't think it's been as exciting as right this moment. Yeah, I agree. You got to embrace change. <laughs> because we love change, you and I. So we. I love, yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> And so you mentioned EDP, just for the listeners, what does EDP stand for? Oh, that's an AWS term for an enterprise discount license, uh, discount program. So it's sort of like taking down, you know, at CDW, if you purchase um, X amount of revenue through them, they give you a rebate. It's kind of like the same approach, but on an AWS side. Of right. And AWS customers sign up, they have a certain contract value or, or EDP that they're looking to, to burn down each year. Burn down. That's exactly right. Yes. So it's the same type of model. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So in this blue ocean, you're looking at new models, new motions. What have you had to do from a team perspective to cover the red and the blue? Good question. So on the from the blue side, you know, I'm seeing a different type of partner coming to us. And I created a business unit within the team that is specifically devoted for to going after these new partners. They're not resellers. They're not traditional MSPs. And I call them my amoebas. I think I mentioned that in channel focus. Uh, do they sign a contract? No. Do they have a tiering like bronze, silver, gold? No. Do they have to meet a certain level of requirements in any which way, shape, or form? No. They simply need to partner with us and, and it, let's just partner together and see where it goes. But you don't need to commit anything or do anything in order to partner. And it's just, let's just add that value together. And so that team is specifically hired, devoted to, you know, looking at this space. So it is very much an entrepreneurial mindset, a business development mindset, a startup mentality. It's not, okay, here is my partners that I'm going to work with and I'm going to do a certain level of activities every day at the end of the month. My deal registration looks like this. That's not it at all. It's big. It's blue ocean. It's thinking outside the box. It's how do you want to work together? Okay, let's do that. Let's try, fail, fail, try and see what happens. But in this new world, you know, it's hard to say what's going to stick. And what I love about Trend Micro is it's a company that's not afraid to try things and then try it again and try it in a different way. And I love change. I love trying things. I love risk. I love challenge. So I'm in my sweet spot. This is fun. So you said something that blows our mind and probably scares a lot of people. No contracts with these amoebas? No. I mean, I don't even know what contract I'd sign them up to. Are they a reseller? Are they a solution provider? Are they an MSP, a DISTI? Like think of the contracts that you have with your partners in your business. Well, what is it? Oh, you're going to be a cloud partner, marketplace partner, because they're not reselling. They're, yeah, they're providing some services, but not in the traditional sense. It's just so, and I'll share this with you, Rob. If they're signing up to doing a resell, yeah, they want to sign a contract. Yes. If they're 
extending a private offer while that private offer has some terms and agreements. So it's not as if we're, they're not covered, we're not covered, the, the customer isn't, it all gets managed by the business. But I'm not saying, okay, as part of your onboarding, here's your contract. And this 20-page thing here is what you need to sign in order for us to cover ourselves. That's not what I'm looking to do. This is really a partnership in a different way. It's a change in mindset. So you're going into it. It's kind of let's let's just go in. The, the, the ocean is totally open to us. Let's see how it develops. And maybe if it developed into one track or the other, then there's a contract involved. But you're not putting those guardrails or boundaries in it from the get-go. No. And I don't even know what I would sign them up to. So I'll give you an example. We had one, we had a company, I'll call that a company that came in and started using our free assessment tool and started using the tool, the tool again, redid the tool again. And we called them up and they said, oh, we've actually deployed it to so many different of our end customers that, yeah, I think, you know, it's probably time we started paying for it. Well, in that model, are they a customer or a partner? And we didn't even know they're like, they just signed up for a free trial, extended that free trial beyond what, you know, the limitations of the free trial that we, we work things out with them. So they signed up as a part, well, they signed up, they're a partner. We set up a migration tool so they could get off to get their customer and customers off this free migration tool, this assessment tool and get them onto, you know, and an actual license, and they're acting like a partner, but really we're selling to them. They're selling through, and you just go, are they a customer or a partner? Yeah. I don't know. They're just signing. Which we're running into. We're running into that more and more, This these blurred boundaries. We are. And I, I think, and you know, when I said earlier where the sales is transforming, like part of this digital transformation Companies are transforming within the company. The channel is transforming. How we market to our partners or to our customers is transformed. The sales team is, et cetera, et cetera. And that's one of the ways in which sales is transforming. The customers are becoming partners, partners becoming customers. It's a very, very blurred line right now. We almost need to change the way we sell or talk to these end companies because that end company could be a partner. They could have downstream customers that we don't even know about. There's all kinds, like there's lots and lots of opportunities out there. It's pretty fun. You just have to, you know, you have to go under the covers. You really got to think big and figure out what, what does that look like and just explore. How did you populate this team? I'm trying to think of the right word for it. Did you take like one of your channel managers and put them into this role or did you go out and look for a different type of skill set? It was a little bit of both. So we, I did need someone who understood the trend micro business and the structure, but then, you know, getting other people on the team, you know, within the company or outside who understood, you know, just this different mindset. Um, and it, it's not an easy find, right? When, you know, having someone with a business development mindset, entrepreneurial startup where it, all the lines are blurred. It's like, well, what do you do every day? I don't know. You figure you, you figure that out. You go and search out who these customers, partners, entities, companies look like. You know, get with your AWS or your Azure people and, and figure out what's those what do those next steps look like. So it, it is a it's not a defined space. So you know when you said the you know the blurred lines with these partners, it's a blurred line with this team as well. Do I put them in quota? Are they on a you know, what kind of KPIs do they have? Are they on MBOs? It's just, it is a little bit of trying and figuring out what works. 
So you're, you need to experiment even with the team. So are you using MBOs? Is that kind of how you're managing it? Cause you can't, I mean, what do you target them on initially? You don't know. Yeah. It's MBOs. Yeah. And, and it has, it has to be, again, right now it can't be a quota because I don't know how much we can drive. The team has already driven revenue. And like just in that, that one example I told you about where they were using the assessment tool, they had almost 200 end customers that they were managing. Wow. So that now becomes monthly recurring revenue as they onboard more and more end customers. But there's, but how do you measure that? Is that the next one and the next one? Maybe not, but that next one might be doing another type of assessment or another type of service offering or, you know, that adds value, but it might be value in different ways. And some of these ways are influence. And how is that measured? And it, you know, it just becomes this very obscure way of doing things. But there's still value. It's still enough value that you need to continue moving forward because this is how things are going to be evolving. It's not the traditional, okay, I'm going to sit down and you know do my lunch and learn and throw my swag out to all these different people and their pods and you know hope that it sticks that when the next time an end customer calls, they say, yes, go sell Trendmike, go buy Trendmike. That's a different, it's the old school way of doing things. I'm looking new. That's really cool. So you have this new team, the transformational team or whatever you call it, but you have other partner types. You've got distributors, resellers, MSPs. What kind of team structure do you have to cover those old, maybe traditional type partners? So nothing's changed with the traditional team per se. So we still have our national channel partners and CDWSHI, et cetera. There's a team managing that. There's a team managing our distrib- distributors. And I, I don't want to come across as dismissing those the value that those partners bring because they still hold the majority of our end customer contracts. They still work super, super hard and they're transforming as well. So nothing has changed with those teams because we still need them in place. It hasn't, the model hasn't flipped so much so that that team is no longer in play. That that's actually our, you know, the biggest part of our, the, my team is still in that model. We're just trying things on the new side. Because we know that there's there's different things out there. And, you know, I want to make sure we're looking around at all different parts of the business and just not staying in a swim lane. So with that traditional team and these very important traditional partners who, as you mentioned, they're transforming too. How do you get that team to drive transformation? You mentioned something really interesting to me when we were talking last time about introducing blue on red, I think you called it. <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate all that they're doing and they're working super, super hard, not only the partners, but the team. But if the team wants to, or the partners want to introduce something or, you know, I'm okay with, you know, MDF on whatever or rebates or whatever, but it has to be driving towards this, you know, how the customers are buying. So I always say, how do you add a a blue to red? So if it's going to be a traditional model, like an MDF or a rebate, we'll add a blue to it. What's a blue? Well, it's our, how are our customers buying? They're buying SaaS, Marketplace, Cloud. They're buying, you know, these via these platform vendors. So I will incent you or pay you for driving that SaaS business. But if you're looking to drive the on-prem business and that's, no, that's still very much in that model where our customers are, are moving away from. I want to incent on where our customers are, where they're going and what their, their behavior is. So I'm going to drive your behavior to where the customer's behavior. Are. And then there's no friction. Then it's, it's an easier buy. It's an easier sell. And so I'm going to incent them 
on how those customers are buying. And, you know, during the lockdown, they move very quickly to cloud and marketplace. So that's where I'm going, adding a blue to red. How do you get your traditional channel or partner managers to introduce that blue? Do you set like blue MBOs for them to, to start behaving that way? In some cases, yes. It just depends on on the partner. And so I, what I don't want to have is, okay, here's my new structure. Therefore, you must have it fit within these lines. Because part of the beauty of this is the lines are blurred. So I don't want to say you must do it this way now when we're still evolving and we're still learning and growing and trying and experimenting. So I don't want to put anyone in a box or any one partner in a box. How do you want to work with us? Okay, let's work together in that way. But I want to drive the behavior towards our customers. If you know if they push back and their customers, their own customers are buying a, you know in a different way, I'm going to work with you in that way. I'm not going to. I'm not looking for friction. I'm looking for seamless. Let's just figure out how to work together. And part of it is no, no lines. Let's just let's just figure out how is the, how is it best to work together. That's what I'm interested in. How has your partner program evolved to support this? Have you made some changes to that as well? Well, so the the, the existing model still exists. Uh, we've updated, we've refreshed it, we've looked at who are the platinum partners and how do we incent those? How do we, you know, is the behavior more on platinum or is it on deal registration? So tweaking a few things that you know, trying to grow a certain, you know, behavior type versus swooping in and coming in at the end and going, okay, I get more discounts because, you know, where my status is on the the partner program. But when it comes to this new model, it really is, I, I don't know what I don't know. I just know that I need to evolve. And this evolution is trying and we'll try something. And if it works for some partners, we'll stick with it. If it doesn't work for others, we'll change. And it really is asking for feedback from our partners and our end customers and just, you know, communities at large. What are you seeing? What are you trying? And let's figure out together. So I, I would love to say I have this magic formula and it looks like this. <laughs> in comparison, it looks like this. I don't have that, but I, I have a semblance of what it is that I'm looking to do. And every day I tweak it just a little bit. Every day I learn a little bit more. I, I fail a little bit. I grow a little bit. So I'm, it's, you know, I think it's just a, it's a fun place to be because it's, it's uh, it is just learning and, you know, working with people to figure out what's that best mix and, you know, the like little recipe. Yeah, we're, we're getting there. Is it safe to say that simplicity and flexibility are, are kind of the cornerstone of success here? <sighs> Yes, those are two very good ones. I would also say patience. And I would also say the ability to accept risk and failure. Yes. Because it isn't a risk, what we're doing, and we are going to fail. But at the end of it, I also think we're going to be better for it. You're going to come out of this and go, okay, I learned all of this. Therefore, I'm going to change it in this way, or I'm going to keep it because it was working. And I'm a big, big fan of trying things and trying it again, trying it a third time, and then, you know, figuring it out. I think in life, if you stay in the same path constant, it gets boring. At least it does for me. So I am always happy to try new things and, and grow from there. I'm fully in your camp, but there are others that are not. And what, what I see when you're trying to drive this kind of change, it makes some people nervous. And there are people that are 
there are different risk levels. You know, the guys that free climb El Capitan are obviously at a different risk level than me. And in the company, you have people that aren't so readily open to risk. And they might be in legal, they might be in marketing, they might be in product, they might be in different areas of the company. How do you get them onto your level of comfort in trying these new things? So it's, I, not everyone's going to be a hundred percent bought in a hundred percent of the time. And I have to recognize that everyone's different and everyone's level of tolerance and risk is different. So it can't be my way or the highway. And that's not what I'm looking for. And also, you know, they add value in different ways and they might see things that, Hey, we do need to pause here because it is a little bit too risky. And I'll give you an example. I was on a call with a really large partner, very traditional in a way, but it was going very, very transformational. It was actually really fun to see. And legal was on the call with me and they wanted to procure the licenses in a certain way. And legal said, no, 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 we have to have this addendum. And I said, the dreaded addendum. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't, I don't know, in the, you know, three years ago, everyone would have nodded very quickly. Yes, we need to sign an addendum. And I went, wait a second, cannot ask this partner to sign, a, I just threw it out there, a 20 page addendum for something that where the customers want to buy now. That's not fair to the customers. That, and, you know, offline, the, me and the legal team, we just, okay, we got to figure out what the best approach is. I recognize that we're taking a risk. I know that we need to, to mitigate this risk. Okay, what's the best approach for the, the partner or the customer? And let's back into that. Okay. And then, and so it wasn't a, for me, it was all in, let's just add it as a click through in marketplace. They were like, let's add an addendum. <laughs> and so we had to come and meet in the middle because once they saw, wait a sec, yeah, if we add this big onerous task to this deal, we actually might lose it. But at the same time, we have to, we have to mitigate this risk. Okay. What's the best approach? So it was a coming together of minds very much, you know, crazy out there and out of space and very much grounded. Okay. And we got to work together. And it was, we really did. It was actually a really good exercise. We both came together and, you know, I actually got to know the person better. I didn't know this person very well. And I, I saw it as a win-win. We actually came together and okay. So we went to the end, the partner, this is what we can do. And then, you know, the end customer has this option available and it all worked out, but it wasn't, all one way or all the other. We had to meet in the middle. And that's might be the way it's going to be for a little while while we still figure things out. Yeah, that's that's a great example, Louise. We had a very similar situation just the last couple of weeks. Um, and I'm sure a lot of listeners are too. And as we go through this transformation, these new models, new buying behavior from the customers, how do we serve the customer, serve the partner so that they can serve the customer without and protect the company at the same time, but without the 20-page addendum? Yes. I was ready to add a two sentence line to the the uh, private offer. Click through. There you go. And legal said, no way. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I had to concede that one. And that's good, right? They're there to make sure I stay out of jail. And I'm very happy that they do their job very well. On the private offers and marketplaces, you guys are further along than we are at Beyond Trust. We just recently got on AWS uh, Marketplace. So we're just getting started. I noticed on your website, you have a, a partner type that you call out marketplace enabled partners. You might have had that even pre COVID. I don't know, but I'm, I'm curious. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, that was just started a little bit before COVID. Um, and Trend Micro has really embraced marketplace and SaaS and really our customers. That's how they're buying. So let's get on board with them, right? And so we have a, a team of people within the company that's specific to cloud. We have a 
renewals team and sales and marketing team, et cetera, et cetera. And Marketplace Partner is this amoeba. It's, you know, this well-architected framework review partners from AWS. It's the um, Azure co-sell partners. It's, you know, it, it is that partner that is, doesn't fit into this traditional reseller model or d- traditional services model. Those who are looking to, you know, just really grow their business on marketplace. And so it's a marketplace partner type. And what does that look like? Well, they're not bronze. They don't care about MDF, all those things that we talked about. It's They don't quite fit into that box. So do I box them in? No, the lines are blurred. They're kind of an amoeba. How do you want to work together? What do you want to do for your end customers? Okay, let's figure that out. So marketplace partner, It's they're really selling on marketplace in ways in which that go beyond just a consulting partner private offer approach. Because a CPPO partner can be a traditional reseller and, you know, their customers just want to, to now purchase on marketplace so that CPPO can extend the offer on, on marketplace. This marketplace partner type, it's beyond that. It's, you know, how do we get deep into the infrastructure, deep into the underlying platform and figure things out? Is everything secure? Is everything turned on? Is everything configured properly? That. Like they're deep into this infrastructure in ways that a traditional partner just hasn't embraced that model yet. What do they want from Trend Micro? Is it primarily like technical enablement? What are they looking for from you? Yeah, it's um, so we have a whole suite of services. So the Cloud One platform and it has all these different like workload security, endpoint security, Cloud One, like conformity, the assessment tool. And so we train them, enable them deeply on all these different components to the cloud one platform because that's where all like like that's that's that platform where the customers are buying from and in order to really understand and and be able to talk that language they need to know what all those um, all those components are and what those services look like conversely they also have deep AWS Azure GCP skills as well so it's you know it's an interesting breed of partners where they're deep on our side of the business, deep on the platform side, you can come together and bring that value to the customer. Yeah, very nice. Sounds like a partner type or element that we need to introduce as we're looking to expand because it, it is where there are all these new partners that we want to, should be engaging with who, who are active on Marketplace. Yeah. And some of the, the existing partners who you'd work, you work with, I bet you they're transforming as well because they know they have to. And so getting in with them and going, okay, Let's put together this plan in which you can grow your path towards this end goal and we'll do it together and get them on that enablement track and get them introduced to your cloud architects and, you know, where it is that, you know, help them understand the persona of who's buying on marketplace and why they're buying and what they're buying. And, you know, there's all kinds of different things that are going on that, you know, I'm still learning and you know, I have to say, even the pl- our platform vendors are still learning because it's all changing. It's new. Like how how does how does the distributor fit on a, in a marketplace model? Oh, we're still figuring that out. <laughs> yeah, so are we. That's an interesting one. And they they now, and I think they're still building their distributor models too. They're introducing distributors who now have their marketplaces, their own AWS marketplace, for example. Correct. Yeah, and and I I don't know what that's going to end up looking like. I'm still watching that very closely to see how do we fit? Like I'm on the cusp of 
okay, here's that, that next thing. Okay, we need to drop that expertise in here. AWS has invited us to participate here. Okay, we need to drop certain partners in because they're enabled. They're ready to go. So it's, it's a constant knowing. I, I have a heat map of every different partner. Okay, this partner is CPPO. They are leading with Azure. This one's leading with AWS. This one is in the AWS migration program. This one's at, this is an ISV bundle that we can do. And this is specific to healthcare. Okay, I've got this health. So every one of them, there's like a heat map of, okay, this was very traditional. So we've got to keep that one here. So we have this traditional partner for this type of business. So if you, it, it's a big, big landscape now, whereas before it was just, okay, here's my traditional resellers and my traditional service providers with the DISTI. Now it's different. It's all different. So I need, I have this heat map, which partner, what's their skill? Where do they belong? Do they have this type of model and, and how does it all work together? I love that. Is that is that an Excel heat map, or have you found some technology to help you build that? <laughs> no, I wish. No, no, <laughs> it is Excel. <laughs> yeah, no. It's, and, okay. <laughs> well, pretty much anything new that we do is Excel, right? Yeah, and part of it is because there the different platform vendors are introducing different ways in which you can go to market with them, and different programs and different certifications. So. If I have a partner that I know has a certification in this particular part of the business, okay, I'm going to add them to that heat map. And I know if we have this type of opportunity, or I'm going to let my sellers know we have this partner. It has this, these are their skills. If you need someone here, they're right, they're all set up and ready to go. But it's, um, you know, it's a daily exercise keeping on top of things because there's, you know, it's, it's a very dynamic heat map. That's for sure. It was easier before. Before it was just I have a reseller and my service providers, my MSPs and my DISTs. You know, it's different. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So on the topic of of risk and adventure, just jumping tracks a little bit to your personal side, you recently did a podcast with Vince Menzioni on his Ultimate Partnering podcast, talking about your climb of Mount Everest. You're you're doing some amazing things out there, which is your Zen for you. Um, you recently went into Antarctica, is that correct? And that what which mountain did you climb there? So the highest mountain in Antarctica is called Vincent Massif, and it's just over sixteen thousand feet. So sixteen thousand, you know, in a mountaineering world, is not very high, <laughs> but it's very, very, very cold. <laughs> I have to say, it's got to be. What what was the temperature? Oh, on average, it was minus fifty in the tent. Yeah, like we, you just didn't want to come out of the tent because uh, it was just too cold. I won't get into the specifics, but yeah, you would things would freeze before they hit the ground. <laughs> it's really cold. That does create some problems, I imagine. <laughs> it was yeah, it takes a certain crazy, I think, to be able to call that your vacation. Yes. I do crazy things like cycling across Iowa, but that's nothing compared to that's a circus compared to what you're doing. Oh no, I think you should pat yourself on the back. That's a big deal. I think we all have our thing and yours is just different. Mine's different. It's not better or worse, but yeah. Yeah. So you climb Mount Everest, you climb Mount Vincent. Is that what it's called? Mount Vincent? Vincent, Vincent yes. Yeah. What's next on the big mountain climbs? Do you have another target? Uh, I do. So uh, I mean, in between, I always, ha- always have sort of little ones. And so I am co-leading a number of women to climb a mountain over 14,000 feet in Colorado. So a friend of mine started this uh, just to get women into hiking and climbing. So we have three weekends booked in September. We have 
35 women over three weekends going to Breckenridge and we're going to climb a 14er. I'm going to go a little bit earlier and I'm going to climb three on my own and then do the women's event. So it's, that's be a lot of fun. I do have, I still have Denali left out of, I'm looking to climb the seven summits, which I've been doing since hmm, 2005. I did it long before seven summits was even a thing. It's taken me a long time, but I've just climbed a whole lot of mountains in between then. And um, I'm looking to climb and finish Denali and there's a couple of other big ones, but I'd hate to jinx myself because <laughs> I've got a number on the horizon next year. Awesome. Awesome. So this um, woman's hiking that you're leading, the, the, the three different groups, are you still looking for more or is it filled now? We have two spots open. Uh, over the course of three weekends. Yeah, these are all women in the industry. They don't know each other for the majority. The majority of them, they don't know one another and they haven't done a 14er before. And so we're just, you know, and if people don't summit, it's okay. If they just want to have a spa weekend in Breckenridge, that's okay. Last year, my friend and I did it. There were 11 of us. All 11 of us made the summit of Mount Cameron, which is a 14er in just outside of Breckenridge. And just, you know, there's a difference between men and women. I, you know, I've, I mostly I've climbed with men and men will hit the summit and go, you know, high five and then run down and <laughs> want to go for a beer in Breckenridge. Whereas the women, we all waited for one another. And I was waiting over an hour on the summit for the last of the women to come up. And we spent about an hour on the summit and just, you know, really getting to you know, really embrace this moment and this experience and being together and really sharing the experience together. It was different. It was a much different experience uh, being with just women. Yeah. And we just, we bonded, whereas guys are like, yeah, see you later. <laughs> there's, there's nothing right or wrong about either approach. It's just different. And I, I just, I really enjoyed the experience just, you know, being with the women on the summit because they were so happy to be there and they just wanted to stay there longer and, and just be with one another. It was pretty exciting. That's funny, Louise. I, I cycle on the weekends and there's a big group of us and we'll go out and there might be 40, 50 guys and a couple girls on these rides. Typically we do the ride, we get done and everyone just departs and everyone just goes and, you know, off to whatever they're going to do. But lately we've been start stopping ending at a coffee shop now. So a small group of us started out with five. Now it's about 10 of us are actually sitting down and talking to each other, you know, what <laughs> about something other than biking even. So. Wow. Getting to know one another as people. Yes. How fun. Exactly. Are these all women in the channel that are hiking? I, they're all women in technology. So they're na they may not, may not be in channel specifically marketing sales, but they are, it, they will be in every company that you've heard of. Like Microsoft, we have Red Hat is the AWS, like you name any, any big company we work with. And we've got some women who are represented. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Do you talk shop? You know, do you talk business? Uh, there's too much shopping, spas, restaurants, and climbing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do people talk business? Probably, but that's not the focus of the event. It's not the focus. But I would imagine you're you're making friends. It's it's networking too, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I didn't know nine of those people, and now I have nine new friends. And that's that's pretty good. When I mean, you spend four days together and you're in this environment, that's a little you know, unknown and hostile, we, you know, we encountered some weather and ice and snow. And, and then you go down to Breckenridge and you're all sitting in the hot tub drinking champagne. You know, it, you tend to bond. And 
it's a lot of fun and you make dinner together and you, you know, share coffee together in the morning and everyone's, it was a real fun experience. And because many people didn't know one another, it made it even that much better because it wasn't like, you know, it's just one person coming into a group of 11 and, you know, they're an outsider. Everyone was an insider. Yeah, it was fun. That's really cool. I would love to replicate that with cycling. Why don't you? I'll have to talk with you and figure out how I could do that because there's great cycling out in Colorado and some great, great peaks, not peaks, but passes that you can climb there. Well, we've got a formula. I'll share it with you. It's been pretty successful. We do a whole lot of building out to it using Marco Polo videos and getting the women to train together. We've got a WhatsApp group, a Facebook group, sharing pictures, you know, just really getting everyone to know one another before we go. So, you know, everyone's face is a little bit familiar. And then you drop in, you're like, oh, you're so-and-so. Thanks for sharing the video. Thanks for helping me get inspired with your stair running. And yeah, it's, you know, it's not just, oh, okay, we drop in and no one's seen each other's faces. We lead up to the event and we've got little tidbits, you know, leading up. It's been fun. It's been different. Man, that's quite a project. It is. It's been, it's been some work, but um, actually I say it's work and yet it's not. It's it's very gratifying. Uh, it's kind of like extending my love of trails to people who wouldn't necessarily know about it. And then now they have a love of trails and the 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 women who are were there last year, they're coming back. One woman is bringing enough friends that she has, she's booked an entire weekend, just her and her friends. <laughs> <laughs> we have three weekends booked, which, you know, 35 women. It's been better than I could have imagined. So, yeah. Me with a friend of, friend of mine, Erin Figer. She's incredible. So she's in the business as well. And it's been great. Go Erin. Yeah. Go Erin. She's pretty incredible. That's awesome. Well, Louise, thank you so much. This has been really fun. Do you have any last parting words of hiking advice or amoeba partner transformation <laughs> advice or anything like that? I don't know if I'd call it the amoeba partner transformation. You know, I, I think in anything in life, change is inevitable and change can be scary, but change can also open your eyes to really incredible things. And I would just encourage people to embrace the change and see where it takes you because it changes good. It's refreshing and it's necessary. So yeah, there's things ahead. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks, Louise. Enjoy the change. Enjoy the hike. The hike's coming up. Yes. Thank you, Rob. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. You too. Take care. Thank you. Bye. All right, guys. What a fun and hugely interesting interview with Louise. I love how she's embracing change with a special transformation team engaging companies with really no preconceived contracts or notion of how they're going to work together. And what great advice to find the middle ground and new ways to meet partner and customer needs with those in your company who may be less tolerant to risk than you. If you want to hear more about Louise's Mount Everest climb, I encourage you go listen to her interview with Vince Menzioni on his Ultimate Guide to Partnering podcast. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I love what Louise is offering with the She Summits. I've been thinking of doing something similar, either with biking or with sailing, where I get a group of folks together who want to do a challenging group ride or experience some fun sailing together. If either of those sound interesting to you, please send me a note. My email is rob at channeljourneys.com. Thanks again for listening today. Thanks again to our sponsor, Allbound. Allbound has best-in-class reviews for user experience, ease of use, and customer support. If you're looking for an easier way to manage your partner ecosystem, from deal registration to tracking partner opportunities and providing right discounts and commissions, things like that, be sure to check them out at allbound.com. For today's show notes, just go to channeljourneys.com 
slash CJ95. You can subscribe while you're there. If you enjoyed the show, please take a few minutes to leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. All right, next episode, I've got another great guest. Don't miss it. Until then, have an awesome channel journey. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends and be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure.